Thanks for listening to the podcast from Jonathan Combs and the preaching team at Eastgate Church in Rocky Mount, North Carolina. Check us out on the web at eastgate.church for more. And now, here's the sermon. Morning, church. Am I on? Okay, excellent. Well, Marcus, you kind of messed me up there, brother. I was going to had a joke all lined up for me having to be the new guy and bring my own podium up here, but so I appreciate you messing me up. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for all coming out this morning. Uh, let me take a moment to, to introduce myself for those who don't know who I am. Uh, my name is Joseph Moore, and we're going to go ahead and head into today's scripture, okay? Y'all came to learn about Jesus, not Joseph, right? <laughs> Amen. All right, so we're concluding our sermon series today entitled Hymns Singing Praises to Our God. The, verse for, the theme verse for this series is Psalm 40, verses 3. He has given us a new song to sing, a hymn of praise. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. So now each sermon series has had a main theme from a traditional hymn. And in today's, today's sermon, we are, the hymn is, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, this hymn was written by Martin Luther, and he was a German priest, theologian, author, and hymn writer. And he lived from 1483 to 1546. He's best known as the leading figure in the Protestant Reformation and has a namesake in Lutheranism. Ordained into the priesthood in 1507, he came to reject several teachings and practices of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, an accomplished academic, he attempted to reform the church. Luther proposed his 95 Theses of 1517, where he went up to the church and stapled them or nailed them or however it is to the door. He eventually was excommunicated by the Pope and condemned as an outlaw by the Holy Roman Emperor. Luther taught that salvation and eternal life are earned by the good deeds received from the grace of God, the free gift of God through the believer's faith in Jesus Christ, our Redeemer from sin. Amen. Amen. So, he was the source of the three solas. Now, this is Latin, sola scriptura, sola fide, and sola gratia. And solas is alone, so this is scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone. And also, as a prolific hymn writer, he wrote hymns, and they influenced the development of singing within the Protestant church. So a mighty fortress is our God. It's one of the best-known hymns by Luther, who wrote the words and composed the melody sometime between 1527 and 1529. It has been translated into English at least 70 times and into many other languages. It has been called the battle hymn of the Reformation for the effects it has going towards the reformers' cause. A mighty fortress was written in German, so here's my attempt at speaking it. Ein fest Berg itzt unser Gott. A mighty fortress is our God. My dad can speak a little German, and so I'm sure he'd be proud of me right now. <laughs> so when we take a look at our lives, do we sometimes need a fortress? Do we sometimes uh, need a refuge from the busyness? Do we need strength that meets the demands of today's life? Martin Luther sang the words of Psalm 46 often, and it led him to write, A mighty fortress is our God. Perhaps you need the strength of a mighty fortress today. We all do. So, Psalm 46, the psalmist wrote a song for the people of Israel telling them that God is with us and He alone gives us strength. We know that God is might, might is always with us, and how can we experience His presence? The Scripture today gives us two ways of how we can experience this. Today's text is from Psalm 46, verses 1 through 11. 
Oh, get behind me, Satan. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God bless the reading of his word. Amen. Excuse me. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. And we just come before you right now, Lord. I pray that you will help us to all be open and receptive to what you were teaching us today. I thank you for the instruction and teaching for me this week in preparation. And so, Lord, just be with us today. Clear our minds, clear our thoughts so that we can focus on your truths, your promises, your words. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, how can we experience the God, the, the present, the, how can we experience the strength of God's presence? Uh, today, there are two imperative statements in the psalm of how we can experience this. Number one, come and see. So, we're going to take a look at verse eight. Come, the ESV says, come, behold the works of the Lord. Behold literally means to see. But it goes beyond just a mere seeing goes beyond just a mere looking. It means to look enthusiastically. It means to look with intent, intently. It means to take it all in, not just see it, but to experience it. Behold. So what are we coming to see? The works of the Lord. Verse 1, God is our strength and God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So what has God done in your life? Has God moved and changed? In your life? Is your life any different? I know mine is. So where can we come and see? We get, we're supposed to go and see the works of the Lord, but where can we come and see the works of the Lord? Verse 4, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God. So what is the city of God? Where is it located? Many of the commentators say that this is the, referring to Jerusalem where the holy temple was. But we think that it is pointing towards Revelations 21 and 22, which is a promise of the new Jerusalem, the city of God. Because, see, current Jerusalem, there's no main river flowing anything to it. Might be a stream. But from the city of God, the eternal city of God, the river flows from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it's the river of water of life. And it's a place that's made up of believers throughout time, and it's where Jesus dwells, where Jesus lives. And there will be no more pain, no more suffering. So we can go where he dwells. So where is that? Where can we go? We can certainly go there, and we will eventually be there. Preferably a little bit later than sooner. But we will eventually be there. But we can come 
you're doing a great start here. Coming to church, in people's homes, at work, in the neighborhoods. You can come and see what God is doing in the lives of believers around you. Verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter. So come and see that all the nations rage and the kingdoms totter before him. Everything that we humans can do, and we can do a lot, I can accomplish a lot of things. My family can accomplish a lot of things. This church family can accomplish a lot of things. Humanity, look at what humanity has accomplished. We can do a lot. I mean, we are made in the image of God, correct? We can do a lot, but everything that we can accomplish, none of that pales in comparison to the Lord and to what he can accomplish. Come and see his magnificence. Don't look at yourself. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. Now, this is the refrain, or this is the course, because it's repeated again in 11. And so 7, 11, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress, and then again in 11. Now, this is literally Jehovah Saba. There's a T on that. It's T-S-A-B-A, Jehovah Saba, and it is the God who commands the angel armies. The Lord of hosts, the God who commands the angel armies. Now, it's the most common name of God used in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, and Malachi. It's an expression of just how majestic and powerful he is. Now, if one of the angels of his army, because God commands the angel armies, if one of his angels can slay 185 Assyrian soldiers in one night, how much power and might do you think our God has? The God that controls and commands the angels. His strength is more than enough to provide for all of us, and we're all in desperate need of it. Amen? Verse 9, he makes war cease to the end of the earth. Now certainly God has intervened in human history. We can see it all throughout Scripture. Parting of the Red Sea, Sodom and Gomorrah, Jericho. I mean, he had people walk or march around the city of Jericho one time a day for six days, and on the seventh day they walk, walk around blowing a trumpet, and what happens? The walls crumble. There was no human did anything except for obey what the Lord instructed. So he has certainly intervened, but this is not merely speaking of physically. This is a promise of the future. This is a promise that he will end all suffering, all pain. This is an eternal promise. Verse 8, come, behold the works of the Lord. Now, you may not be a theologian. You may not know the exact address of the, the faith the size of a mustard seed. Some of you might not even have a Bible. Now, sidebar, if you don't have a Bible, please see me at the end of church. I will get you a Bible. So you might not be an expert on the Bible. Behold the works of the Lord. You are an expert on what he's done in your life. We are the experts on what he has done in and through our lives. You're the expert on your story. Tell it. The recitation of the mighty acts of God plants deep in memory of God's people the evidences of his care, protection, and providential rule. Y'all want me to say that one more time? 
the recitation of the mighty acts of God plants deep in the memory of God's people the evidences of his care, protection, and providential rule. As a quote from Willem Van Germeren, and he's a professor of Old Testament at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. So the constant coming to and seeing the works that he's done in your life and the works that he's done in the lives of believers around you, that is a recitation of God. And so it plants deep in your soul his power and his might. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read the first two verses of A Mighty Fortress is Our God. No, not in German. Not in German. And, and like I said, this is, like, this is a battle hymn. And so it's, you, you're going to hear a version at the end of this service uh, that's going to be a lot better. But it's like a battle hymn. It's like a, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put you all through that, okay? I'm just going to read it. Uh, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth, it is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide, our striving would be losing. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabaoth is his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. Here in the flesh there is nobody who can thwart the devil. In the flesh. Thankful that Christ Jesus, it is he, he has to win the battle. You have to have him to win the battle of sin. Okay? So, while he commands us to come and see, there is no place that you can't go and not see him. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at all times. There's nowhere that you can go and not be in his presence. Psalm 139, verse 7 and 8. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So heaven or hell, or anywhere in between, you can't escape his presence. So if you can't escape his presence, seek an encounter with him. An encounter will lead us to want to tell others. John 4, 28. So the woman left her jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man that told me everything I ever did. Can this be to Christ? And this is the one where Jesus is going from village to village, and he cuts through and sees a woman at the warding well, and he approaches her, and he asks, where's your husband? She says, I don't have a husband. She said, you're exactly right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're currently with is not yours. And so in amazement and astonishment at meeting this guy for the first time, and he's telling her everything about herself and her situation, she was astonished at this. And so it caused her to question. If I had, I mean, come. So it caused her to run back. She said, who is this? Could this be the Christ? And so it caused her to run back and tell everybody, come and see a man that told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? And so we can go anywhere and see him. We can go anywhere and have an encounter. And then this will promote us to sing his praises. Song of Mary, Luke 1, verse 46 and 49. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For, be for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Amen. Come and see and have an encounter and praise and worship him. Now, if we, I think we've got an illustration. See if we can get it popped up. Maybe next week. There we go. Okay. Uh, now, this is a picture of Jerash. Jerash. Uh, it's in modern-day Jordan, but in Jesus' time, it was known as Gerasa, and it was one of the ten cities of the Decapolis. Now, in Mark 5, uh, Jesus heals the man with the unclean spirit, the man that was possessed by a demon. And this is the story where uh, he goes up and asks the demon what your name is, and the demon says, I am legion, for there are many. Okay, so after Jesus heals him, removes the demon from this man, the man, the healed man, then begged Jesus to, can I come with you? Can I follow you? In Mark 5, 19, Jesus said, no, go home and tell your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy he has had on you. Go and tell. And so by the end of the first century AD, this region was thriving with churches in all 10 cities of the Decapolis. And it was all because... Let's turn to Mark 5. Because of verse 20, Mark 5, 20. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everybody marveled. So he transitioned from come and see to go and tell. And because of doing that, the city thrived. Amen? So where in your life can you come and see? Certainly, again, here's a good start. You can do it here. You can do it at home, at work, in your neighborhood. But here's the real question. Can somebody come and see the presence of God in your presence? Marinate on that for a minute. Can somebody experience the presence of God in your presence? Are you ready to go tell them what the Lord has done for you in your life? Come and see the works of the Lord. Amen? All right. Now, moving on to our second point. Now, I know usually there's three, four, and on some crazy Sundays there's five pointers. We got two points today, y'all. <laughs> just, just two points today. All right? Uh, so, the second point, this is the final command statement in today's scripture, and it is from verse 10. Let me get back. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Now, be still. This is idle, stay, relax, refrain. The HCSB version says, stop your fighting. The NASB says, cease striving. This implies coming to an, a, a complete and abrupt stop. A complete and abrupt halt. Now, I know some of you are, some of you are around my age, a little bit older, but uh, Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. So, you, I mean, I don't even have to go through this. I don't even have to go through this illustration. You already know exactly what I'm going to say. The, the coyote is constantly trying to get to the roadrunner, so he's got his little at-me box. He sets his little booby trap and goes and chases after him. And it never fails. The roadrunner runs, and he's always on a little cliff out in the desert, and he's running, running, running. Boom. Stops on a dime. Now, he might have had the new you know, carbon ceramic brakes because it never failed that the coyote would, coyote would always come flying by and fall. I don't know what version he had. So that's, that's what it means. To stop everything you do, whoa, whoa, stop. And if that doesn't ring a bell with you, look at our military. 
When your commanding officer comes into the room, what happens? At attention. You stop everything you're doing and add attention. And what this means, what this is implying for us to stop trying to do everything in our own strength. Stop trying to do everything in our own will and rest in his will. Amen? Be still and let God. 1 Samuel 12, 16. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Psalm 62, 5 and 6. Let all that I am wait quietly before the Lord, for my hope is in him. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress, where I will not be shaken. So more often than not, we can get weighed down by the distractions of today, everything that's going on, husband, wife, kids, spouse, jobs, careers, athletics, academics, whatever it may be. We can get weighed down. We can even get far as, so far as being caught up in the Lord has a bigger calling on my life and focusing on I'm not supposed to be where I'm at. We focus on he's got a hilltop moment for me when he wants us right where we are in the valley, doing the valley work. And what this can do is this causes us to lose focus that all we're supposed to do is worship him. We're supposed to lay at his feet and focus on the Lord. Habakkuk 2.20, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. Know where the Lord is. Know who the Lord is. Know whose you are in his eyes. Keep silent before him. Worship, focus on him. Now the second part of this command statement is no. This is again, obviously, verse 10. We were going to try to split, make it a three-pointer, and split up, be still, and no. But we figured that and wasn't enough to support one or the other. So we put it all together. So no, that's assuredly, be aware, certainly comprehend, declare, diligent, discern, be endued with, have knowledge, known. The list goes on. The best one to me, the one that spoke to me was privy. Be privy to. You have inside information. The inside clear. We are privy to this secretive information. For those that have been going to Eastgate Rocky Mountain or Eastgate Wilson long enough, you know that this know is to know that you know. There you go. Okay, I got two people cooperating. <laughs> to know that you know that you know. This is an intimate knowledge. It's the same know that's in Genesis 3 where the Garden of Eden, the Tree of Life, where they had eaten the forbidden fruit. And then they had knowledge of good and evil. They had an intimate knowledge. They act, their eyes were open. They really, truly knew. This is implying to have full assurance of God and his presence and his provisions. Luke 10, this is a story of Mary and Martha. Now, as they were traveling along, Jesus went into the village, and a woman came and approached him and said, come on. And so she welcomed him into her house. And her name was Martha, welcomed Jesus into his house, into her house. And so while she's in there, you know, Jesus starts Jesus and he's doing his thing. He's teaching. And Mary, her sister, she just sits at his feet. And she's sitting there listening to him teaching, being still in front of him, coming to know him. But what's Martha doing? Martha's in the kitchen. She's cooking. She's cleaning. She's spraying for breeze, making sure it smells good, whatever it may be. She is busy. And after a while, this gets to her. After a while, she starts to feel kind of isolated. So let's turn to Luke 10. 
Come on. I promise I'll get there. Be patient. So Luke 10, and we're going to start at 40. Mary Martha is 38 through 42. We're going to start at 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. Necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. So Mary chose to be still at the feet of Jesus and to know him, to listen to him, to worship him, to focus on him. And we can get distracted by the many things that are going on. We can get distracted by, I have a small group at my house, and we use salt and pepper and garlic every night of the week for supper. But on small group night, I got to put that in the pantry so it looks like we got it all together. Okay? Or you got to make sure the dust bunnies are gone. Whatever it may be, it's all about the presentation. I mean, good Lord, you can ask my wife how many times I came up to her before coming up here to do this. Uh, I got some black shoes, dress shoes, but they got some brown on them, and brown doesn't go with any of my attire. Can I take a magic marker and, and color on that part? I always wear a hat trying to figure out how in the world to fix my hair for this. They won't let me preach up here with a hat on. So I don't understand. But it's the presentation. You see where I'm going with this. It's the presentation. We are so worried about, I got it all together. Mary wasn't. She sat and focused on him. Laid it all out there. I'm not worried about what's going on around the house. I'm worried about Jesus. So by doing this, by being still, we can truly know, experience his presence. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's look at verse 8. Okay, i got to stop turning away from the main scripture here. Uh, verse 8, uh, how he has brought desolations on the earth. So, yeah, we're going to be still and know we're going to talk about desolations for a minute. Desolations is ruin, waste, complete emptiness, destruction. It's a wasteland. So why are we talking about that? Uh, we're speaking about it simply because of verses 9. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. We talked about that in the first point. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. We're speaking of this. Now, you've heard that if anything in Scripture is mentioned more than one time, you pay attention. Mention more than twice, you should really pay attention. Come behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations. He makes wars. He breaks the bow. He burns. This mentioned four times. What does that mean? Anybody got a clue? You got a word for that? That means we ought to know. That is put there so that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that God alone is mighty and just to judge. He has all the power and the provisions, and he is providential. He alone. So these four verses are pointing to the fact that he has all the authority. All the authority. Verse 6 says, at just the mere utterance of his voice, the earth melts away. Kingdoms rage and nations, nations rage and kingdoms totter. All he has to do is go, <clears throat> and all of it ceases. It's here for us to know that we know, that we know, that we know who has all the authority, all the power, all the might. 
So here now we can experience the weight of the world. But for those of us who know the Lord intimately, we are full of joy because of the peace that Jesus leaves. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So again, another quote from Van Gimmeren. I'm sure I'm butchering that. Since God's people have reason to be glad in distress because of God's presence, how much greater would their joy be when the causes of distress are no more? Can you even fathom that? Can you even fathom what the, what the experience is going to be when there is no distraction, stress, pain, anxiety, fear? You can't fathom it right now because you can sit here and try to get as long as you can and you can still, something will still pop up. But there will be a day that the Lord will cease all wars. Not here in the physical. He will do that too. But spiritually, all wars. Thank you, Jesus. Now, knowing also declares that God will be exalted. So we look at verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, exalted is to raise up, to lift up, to set on high. To lift his name as high as we possibly can. Jesus himself teaches us to declare this in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. If you're a little more old school, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Whatever version you are, hallowed is the important part. Hallowed is consecrated, set apart, holy, a.k.a. exalted. So we're to start our daily prayers with lifting his name on high. First Chronicles 29.11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Philippians 2, 9 verse, through, through verse 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Why is that? Because there's no place you can go and escape from his presence. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Exalt him. Praise him. Worship him. So by being still and living daily in God's presence, his evidences in your life, in my life, in the lives of believers around you, his promises and truth that spread all throughout Scripture, we can truly know and experience the strength of being in God's presence, of being in his mighty fortress. Amen? All right, verses 3 and 4. And though this wor world filled with devils, oh, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has wielded his triumph, his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are, th are theirs, are ours through him who with us sideth. Let me do that again. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, 
this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth about it still. His kingdom is forever. That's beautiful. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. And behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, Jesus. And he came into the ancient days and was presented before him, God. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. His kingdom is forever. His might, his truth, his just is forever. Exodus 14, 13, And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. I is mentioned five times there, y'all. God is mentioned five times. Verse 2 in Psalm 46. Therefore, we will not fear. Now, we will not fear or do not fear is the most repeated command in Scripture. And the reason it is there that it says we will not fear is because when you truly rest in the strength and refuge of God's presence, there will be no fear. It says it in verse 7 and verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Matthew 28, 20. The very last chapter in Matthew, the very last verse. This is part of the Great Commission. Jesus says, Behold, where y'all at? I am with you always to the end of the age. The Lord of hosts is always with us. He is always with us. Trust in that and believe that. Now, have you ever really tried to be still? Ever, ever really tried to be still and take time to be still? Uh, one time uh, back in my high school career, um, I was at my parents' house. Nobody was there. And uh, just out of boredom and curiosity, uh, I said, I'm just going to try to get it as silent as I, as I can and just be still. And so I sat there and, you know, cut the TV off, uh, put my beeper on silent, whatever, and, uh, <laughs> and sat down and closed my eyes. And it was still noisy. And I'm like, why? Why is it still noisy? So I started listening and noticed that the fan was whirring. And even the light had a little bit of noise, had a little bit of a hum to the light. And so after getting up and saying, okay, okay, I, got, I, got to, I can beat this and turn off the lights, turn off the fans, you know, check, make sure that the, uh, the compressor on the refrigerator isn't running and making noise. I go back in, I sit down, complete silence and close my eyes. And y'all, I was terrified. It was the loudest thing I've ever sat in. And what it was, as then I was not a believer. But now that I am a believer, I understand that that was fear. That was fear of the unknown. That was fear of being abandoned, being left alone, not knowing what's next. I'm by myself. It was fear. But being a believer now, when I close my eyes, when I try to get still and be in the Lord, y'all know it's still a little loud. I'm in a different stage in life. Wife, kids, there's distractions all around. So there's still noise. But when I'm still 
and I know and trust that he is always there, he is always with me, there is no fear. And that only comes from worshiping and focusing on him. Amen? Be still and know what? But really the question is be still and know who? This is y'all's point. Jesus Christ. All right. So let's try that one more time. Be still and know him. But really the question is be still and know who? Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So by focusing on him, we can take time to get along with him daily. That's a way that we can come to see him. That's the way that we can be still and know him. Is being with him daily. Getting involved in a small group. Getting involved in life on life discipleship. Getting involved with other believers so that you can see what the Lord is doing in their life and in your life. So we can experience the confidence of God's presence. And we can do this by coming and seeing Him and being still, still and knowing Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we exalt Your name. We lift your name on high. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. We seek you. We seek a meeting with you. And we know, Lord, that when we come and seek this meeting with you, you're there. You will show up and show up in a mighty way. So help us, Lord, help us, Father, to come and see your mighty works, how great and mighty you are, and that we need your provisions, your providential care, and help us to be still and know who you are on an intimate level. Not on a Sunday morning, not on an Easter or Christmas Sunday experience, but on a daily experience to take time daily, Lord and come and experience your presence. Father, I thank you for your words. I thank you for your teaching and your instruction for me this week. I pray that all the ears that have heard this today have been encouraged or challenged or even corrected. So Father, we just love you. We lift your name on high. And Father, I do recognize that there might be somebody here who has heard this news for the first time or have heard it before but are really starting to know, really starting to understand what it is. It says quite simply in your word in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if that's you today, just repeat after me. It's very simple. This is not hard. Father God, I confess that I'm a sinner. But more importantly, Lord, I confess you are Lord. So Father, take your seat, your rightful place on the throne of my life, and help me as I follow and worship you all the days of my life. And brother, sister, if you said that, welcome to the family. That's the best and most important decision you could ever make. So welcome to the family, Father. I mean, welcome to the Santa. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for being our God. We thank you for being in charge. 
We thank you that you are refuge and strength, that you are very present, our very present God, and that we can come into your mighty fortress at any time. We love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.